Hi there and welcome to On Air with Anthony. Today on our first episode, I bring to you our topic, Unveiling the Mask. On this episode, you'll get a one-on-one look into my life and, you know, I'll talk about something I've never spoken about before. Not a lot of people know this, so stay tuned. So, as I said before, um, tonight's topic is unveiling the mask. Now, um, just a quick look into my life. I am Jamaican by birth. I am young, I guess. (laughs) I'm 25, um, and I'm proud of that. I am an event planner by profession and also an interior decor specialist. I also do project management and... Yes, events management and productions. However, that's not really the mask I plan to unveil tonight, so let me get into it. Um, This is somewhat touchy for me to talk about. However, I'm going to try to be, you know, as open and honest as possible. I've never spoken about this before, at least to anyone apart from two specific persons who at that time were at the helm of my assistants. Now, how do I put this? Okay, let me get to it. Deep breath. Let me get there. Okay. In the year 2015, I was working for a specific company. And at that time, I was doing project management for them. Now, I was asked to represent them in Montego Bay. So I was staying at a particular residence because, you know, they placed you somewhere to stay. And I was staying there, went out in the morning in the fields for work because it was really a marketing campaign. And I went out. Now, the marketing campaign got finished at about nine o'clock. And... I, you know, took uh, the usual taxi um, to go home because it was, I was shown how to do that and whatever. And at that time too, I was looking at it in a way where I could probably traverse the routes as, you know, it's the norm to travel a taxi in Jamaica. It's not something that's unusual. However, I got on that cab um i was the only person in the cab because i chartered this cab to go home um on my way home well back to the place of residence that i was staying at you know i don't know montego bay like that so therefore i wouldn't know if you're taking me on a road to where or a road to what tutus remember it's now 10 o'clock in the night um, heading on to 10.30 and I'm heading to where I ought to be. However, I realized the guy took off on another road, the driver. Now, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm still trusting that, okay, probably a shortcut heading somewhere and I'm going home. So, I realized that the roads kept getting worse And on top of that, the roads were even dark. 
and kept getting darker until I realized I was completely surrounded by bushes at one point. And I'm like, God, all right, this is it. This is it. This is what's going to happen. Right. So they stopped. The dude pulled out a knife and held a knife at my neck. Told me to get out of the car. So I said, for what? Um, get out of the car and empty out my bag. Now, I didn't plan to lose my life that day. Or lose my life any at all over anything. That's vanity. So I did as, as I was told. I emptied my bag. I had the company's laptop inside there. I have the company's phone, my personal cell phone. Um, there was also a storage device in there as well. Some books, some pencils, some pens. And some phone cards. Because they had given us phone cards to, you know, add to our phones in case there was anything. So, he took all of those. No. I'm like, God, all right, he's going to rob me and leave me here or something. Well, that was not what happened. The dude went on to tell me to take off my clothes. So I'm like, okay, you're going to rob and take my clothes too. That's kind of ridiculous, but I didn't ask any questions. I took off my clothes as I was told. There was no way to run. It would make sense I run. It would make sense I scream, right? So I did I was as I was told. Um, after I took my clothes off, I realized the dude was now taking off his clothes. So I'm like, what the hell is this? What the hell is going on? Now, this is a, based on look. He was taller than me. Slightly medium built in body. And, you know, the dude took his pants off. And in the midst of everything, I am like, what the hell is happening here? Still keeping my composure, he told me to turn around, rest my hand on the car. Now, I wonder what in God's heaven is this. Only find out that this gentleman was literally raping me. Right? In the process of everything, the knife was still at my neck. Still, It was still at my neck. At one point, it was not there. He had it in his hand. And while I'm there experiencing all of that excruciating pain, and legit just going through the waves of what's happening i legit at one point my body just got numb my senses got numb i couldn't feel i just had to just sit i just sat there on the, the ground when he was done, I just sat there. The gentleman, um, give me a sec. The gentleman took his, um, 
took my stuff off the floor because my clothes was there. Um, my clothes was left on the floor. He took the bag, the laptop, the stuff, jumped back into his car and drove off and left me there. Now, it was really dark. I felt around, I felt on the, like I was feeling on the floor, on the road, you know. You know you're in the country, so you're hearing the little crickets chirping and everything. And I'm crying. And I'm crying and I'm crying and crying. Now, this is the first anything of this nature has happened to me. So, you know, I don't know how to react at that moment. But the greatest part about it is I was still alive. Right? So, I managed to find my pants. Didn't find my shirt was dark so I, I start walking back the opposite way of how I got there I walked for about a hot estimated 20 minutes half an hour thereabout and I got to an intersection now the intersection there was one light on that road the intersection one street light I didn't know if I should go left I didn't know if I should go right because one I'm like, okay, I don't know where I'm going. I'm just walking. and But my intention is to get some form of help and whatever. I sat there for a couple of minutes and I started walking. Walked and I walked and I walked. Darkness, darkness, darkness. Darkness. And I kept walking. Right? I kept walking. So in the midst of everything... I walked and it was finally until like probably I felt like forever I was walking I got to an, another intersection and I just stood there at a bus stop you know those rural bus stops and I just sat there um, a car shot past a car drove past you know um, I was still sitting there then another car drove past still sitting there and then finally a car drove past with a lady and she pulled over because of course if you know me you know i look like a child so she was wondering what are you doing here and at the same time she was being cautious because you know it's a lonely road she's a woman so she don't want anything to happen to her now this woman is um she heard me crying she stopped she came out of her vehicle um she said what's going on why are you here why are you here I started telling her what happened um and she said get in the car mind you there was blood all over my pants because of course i was just raped and she said hold on let me get um something from my trunk she got like, I think there was something, I don't remember if it was like a piece of cardboard or something. And she got it and she placed it in the back of her car. And she said, lay down on it. Um, and I laid, I laid sideways on it. And she said, where you want, what, um, I'm going to take it to the hospital. I said, no, don't take me to the hospital. Um, take me to where I'm supposed to, just take me to, this is a particular address. I can't know this much. Or take me to an area where I can, you know, maneuver myself outside of that situation. Um, 
it was 11.30 at this time. And I am wondering and pondering, so I asked her for a call. She said, all right, no problem. Gave me her phone. And in the midst of it, I started to make a call to my boss. Now, I got the address of where they were staying. And she took me there. When I got there, came out of the vehicle, I told her thank you. Um, she said to me, when I came out of the vehicle, she said to me, um, are you sure you're going to be okay? I said, yes, I'm going to be okay. Mind you, I'm still crying. There's blood dripping all over me. I called the person who was at the, the my, well, my coworker, because it was a couple of us that was staying there. But we were just assigned different places. I called her. She came out. Um, after she came out, she took me in, asking me what was going on. Mind you, I wasn't speaking at this point because as much as I felt relieved that I'm somewhere safe, I was still in shock and still trying to comprehend with what just took place. Did it really happen or did it not? Right? I'm trying to comprehend with what just happened. So, so I stood there. She took my clothes off me, took me into the shower. She bathed me that day, she, right? She bathed me. She showered me, practically. Washed my hair. She washed my body. And I sat down. And she dried me off, got me in some clean underwear. I was there, and she kept asking me, talk to me, talk to me, what's going on, what's going on? And I'm there, and I just, I, what am I supposed to say, you know, in a moment like that, what am I supposed to say to her? I managed to come down they call my boss my my director and they're explaining what happened and thing my director drove from kingston the night and she came down to where we were she got there like in the four o'clock in the morning and she kept asking me what was going on i told her what happened they were shocked they were like okay we're gonna take you to the hospital one um, and we're going to take you to the police. I said, okay, I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm not going to go to the police because one, there's nothing that's going to come out of it. Two, I'm going to be discriminated there. Right? They took me to a private hospital. Um, and when I went there, 
you know, the necessary routine checks and all of that and thing and thing and thing. I later on called one of my personal close friends and she's a she's a doctor and also a psychologist. I called her and I told her what happened and I was crying on the phone. And she was like, okay, this is what you need to do. Find a doctor. I told her I went to the doctor already. She told me what the next steps I need to take. And in the process of everything, she's trying to console me because at that moment, I was just unconsolable. I was crying, crying, crying. My nose was snotty. Um, there was drool all over my face. I haven't ate in the last 20, 24 hours. I didn't want anything to eat. I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. But at the same time, I knew I needed help. Now, she managed to get me to a place where I was able to calm down because in the process of healing you have to accept everything that's going on right and I got that calm down they did whatever exams I got them back everything was good and I was really happy um, however you know it, it happened so I was still left with that scar to deal with. It was it and, and, and the funny thing about life is in the midst of trauma, in the midst of you know adversities, there's always somebody that pops up, shows up somewhere that gives some form of relief, you know? And I must say that it took me a hot minute to realize that I'm not dead, but at that moment, I wanted to be. I really wanted to be. That's not something I wanted to share as an experience to anybody. But um, I had to. I had to talk. I had to seek help. And while I thought I could have dealt with it on my own, and I've been keeping that in for years, I realized it has affected me. In my in, in in a lot of aspects in a lot of ways because even right now I have a big trust problem with people it takes me a while to get to that place where I'm open to people to trust them and I think that is mainly because of that right um, I got the help that I needed um, I at this point I haven't sought out to report the issue to the police because as you know jamaica is not a place where these things went on as a especially as a young adult the reception from these people are not as welcoming and not thorough the, no investigation would have been done and even if an investigation were done how would they find who this person is because i don't know how to describe them neither neither was i willing to put myself back through that trauma so I moved on um, a couple of years after it kept coming back to me it, you know a lot of these things kept coming back and I realized that it started affecting people around me my relationships um, and I, I decided okay at this point you need to seek help and I did but you know it's a Caribbean thing and it's it's a black culture thing where Milton, a mental illness is not something that is 
really accepted. You're looked down upon if you say you're depressed. You're rejected if you say you have a problem and you want to seek counseling or something for it. You're rejected for that and for that thought. So I didn't do it. I absconded from it most, if not all the time. It was not until earlier this year when everything around me started tumbling and crashing because I was still holding on to this. I was still holding on to this guilt that I caused it. I was still holding on to this pain and I couldn't move away from it. I couldn't move away from that and I didn't want that for anybody. Neither did I want that for myself. That's not something anybody needs to experience, especially a young person. However, I must say thank you to the two persons who stood there for me. Um, I really appreciate you. I, I don't, I, and, and I love you guys wholeheartedly. And in the midst of everything, I don't know what I would do if you guys weren't there having my back. I've never spoken about this before, so it's so weird that I decided to do this for my first podcast episode. Um, but one of the process for me is that I have to let it go. And this is my means of letting this go. But at the end of the day, I'm saying this to everybody. Don't sit there so high and mighty, so judgmental without, you know, tapping into people and recognizing that people can walk around with a, a smile and, and this happiness, this joy. But deep down inside, something is wrong. Something is off. Something is definitely off. Something is wrong. Don't just sit there and not recognize these things. This this facade that we put up, this block. And I, I don't want to live my life like that. I don't. And that's why so much has changed for me and the way I do things. I don't want to be at the helm of other people's break. Because a lot of us are contributors to people's depression. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want a part of it. And there's so many people out there struggling with things and are unable to get to that place of healing. It took me a hot minute to get there. It really did. But even now, I still have moments when I reflect on, on, on these things. And it's it's okay to reflect. You know, I, I've come to realize it is okay to reflect. It's okay to accept your emotions. It's okay to not be okay. It genuinely is. Stop pressuring yourself into a place of thinking that life will always be great. And I used to do that. I used to do that. But now I I have tuned that out. Because it's all about growth for me. It's all about healing. And this is my story. This is my story. This is, this is everything that I've been through. One of the things I've been through rather, but the intention is to grow stronger and I am growing stronger and I will grow stronger. And I hope that for people out there who've experienced similar traumas or is experiencing something right now, you take the effort, take the time, focus on your mental health. That's important. Focus on 
getting stronger so that you can achieve the dream that you set your mind to. Nothing is impossible. And especially with the right support, that's all that matters. It is all that matters. So, shout out to everyone who is trying right now, trying to do the right thing, trying to stay strong, trying to hold on, trying to let go, trying to love themselves, trying to find happiness. I see you. I'm there too. And we're, you're not alone. You are not alone. We're in this together. And if you're having a problem, find somebody that you can trust to talk about it. Find somebody who can strengthen you along the way. Because we can't do it alone. We cannot and never will be able to do it alone. And the minute we try to leave ourselves in a position that, you know, we kept, we, we, we keep thinking that, okay, I am beyond pain and I'm beyond issues. We'll never get healing. But at the end of the day, you must also remember how far you have come, not just how far you have to go. You're not where you want to be, but neither are you where you used to be. God is not finished with you yet, and neither should you be finished with yourself. So keep on moving forward. Perseverance. You need it. Give yourself that. You owe it to yourself to persevere. You don't go through all of that for nothing. And it's those things that I have to feed myself each day. That I'm not alone. I'm not. I'm not alone. So this road, this road that I'm on isn't something that's going to be forever. It's not going to be forever. It's not going to be forever. So guys, keep, keep pushing through. Keep pushing through. Yeah, keep pushing through. Doors are going to be opening for you. The weight wasn't a punishment. Just consider it a preparation. A preparation for something better. A greater life. A happier life. And a life where you'll be able to share with people. Share some form of inspiration. Some hope. Some love. Because in this cruel world, love is really what we need. Love is what we need. And I thank you guys for listening. Be your brother's keeper. Be the reason somebody's happy. Be the reason somebody smile. That's very important. So until my next episode, I encourage everybody, keep safe. Wear your masks. Sanitize. Wherever you are, whatever you do, just continue being, doing, and becoming until then, see you guys.